Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DM on the stuff that matters. Hi, Vic. Hello. Co host of the week. Thank you so How much. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I'm now I found your office. <laughs> now I'm here. Yes. So we are actually, this is the first time we've recorded in our new office in the pod studio at the Commons, but there's also another one which you you just went to. Yeah, I just turned up in like it's close. <laughs> and you were like, oh, okay. The girl at the, the reception, she was so sweet though. She just looked at me and was like, yeah, no problems if you just sit down. And I was like, something feels off. And then she didn't say anything and you called me and I was like, oh, yeah. okay. And she's like, yeah. That might be the case. And I was like, oh, okay, sorry. Could have called me. <laughs> but we're here now, which yeah. is fantastic. Waze did me wrong. Yeah, I also use Waze. I'm not going to use it to get here again, am no, I? No. Google Maps <laughs> all the way. So to start off with, do you have a special share to share with the community? Something, anything you've eaten? I do. I Red, have, whatever. Can I be like Dalton? Do I get Do you want to do two? Sure. I, wanna be, do I want two. to. I want to. Um, because one of them's not that exciting. Okay. But I still am obsessed with it and I feel like your community <laughs> okay. will get it. And it's actually your green tofu curry recipe from the oh, kick app. Oh, that's so nice. But it's like one of the oldest recipes you have. Yeah. But it's so easy. Oh. And so I keep cooking it. Anyway. Oh, thank you. And you're vegan. So it's yeah. actually always very good when, because we have a lot of vegan recipes on the app, but yeah. knowing from someone that is vegan that they're actually is good. Yeah, is I, always I use amazing. it all the time because oh, it's so simple. But I also find it really helpful. I use a lot of your chicken recipes and just swap and just it swap for it tofu. for tofu. Yeah, it's amazing. Not, it's not that hard, and I feel like because you guys have such Asian inspired stuff. Yes, mostly there's no dairy. They use a lot of coconut based. Yes, stuff, so it's actually very. Anyway, I wanted to share that because we love green curry. Thank you. (laughs) But the second genuinely special share, because I don't know how special a green curry is. Well, Um, it's nice. I appreciate you. It's good. (laughs) Um, Is actually a cause called Motherless Daughters. Yes. And I thought that in the wake of Steph having her beautiful baby Harvey and Mother's Day coming up, it was just really important to recognise that not everyone gets the privilege of having their mum around. Mm. And, you know, we've got a new team member in our office this month, Tony mm-hmm. Lodge, who we stole from Kiss FM. Tony, oh my God. So we actually have Cam who worked with yeah, Tony. Yeah, yeah. Yes. We've all been stealing <laughs> the Kiss stuff. <laughs> and they're just wonderful. Oh my gosh, they're Cam so is so delightful. wonderful and Tony's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, Tony is literally delightful. And yeah, she really rallies this cause and was on the radio yesterday talking about it. And I just thought it was really special to acknowledge as well because, you know, being a mum is special, having a mum is special, mm. but so many people don't get that privilege and Mother's Day can be a little bit tricky for them and I know that's just passed now this is being published. Mm. But, yeah, I just wanted to shout that out because it is genuinely a special cause. How do people support it? We, we'll put the – is there a website? So there is a website Perfect. for it and, you know, last week was actually their motherless daughter week in the mm-hmm. lead up to Mother's Day. So I don't know if it's redundant but I still think it's worth talking about um, and they just had this social media cause where you, like, draw this, like, love heart and put the wings on your mum, which is really, really sweet. So we've done oh, that. that is so nice. Um, and that's on our socials. Oh, well, I love those yes. shares. Thank you, Vic. That was lo- what a lovely start to the episode. I hope and that was actually special. Yes. More special than green curry, right? <laughs> no, that um, that's awesome. And I this week, I mean, I'm actually, because Steph's obviously just had 
her baby. Is that your special share? Well, it was my special share last week. So. And next week and the week after and the week after that. And in I 10 years can't. when you're doing this, you'll yeah. still be like, okay, so Harvey is 10. <laughs> I just can't. I d- it's been so bizarre because obviously Steph and I usually speak 24-7. Yeah. And I can't, I wasn't, I mean, I was able to speak to her, but I knew also she didn't want to be on her phone all the time, obviously during labour. And I wanted to like give her space, but I was also like, oh my God, I was sitting at work. I was like, oh my God, I'm at work and Steph's in labour and like, is she okay? And she's having a baby. And then when she had him, they, I thought that she would have him that night. Otherwise she would have been in labour for a very, very long time. And I was checking my phone literally every hour. And then when they told me, I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy. But then I was like, I can't go back to sleep. Because like I've had a baby and I'm just at home and it's just been anyway, it's been so special. And we've also got um Kick Bump has just launched, which, which is, is so special yeah, as well. So exciting. So that launched into the app on the weekend, which it has been amazing. So yeah, and yeah. you've got Physio Ash on and she's yeah, a legend. Do you know Ash? Yeah, oh. she's so delightful. And when I saw that you two were coming together, I was like, what are they up to? <laughs> so we did our live recording of a pod for you guys at yes, Greenfield yes, yes. for International Women's oh, Day. And she was there. And Ash was there. And yep. I was like, hi, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, I'm just here for the thing. And I was like, are you working with them? She's like, oh, like, I can't really say anything at this point. And I was like, I I don't know what it is, but uh, I'm guessing. And so the second it came out, I was like all over her socials being like, I told you something was happening. And she's like, I know. And I was like, I feel so left out. Oh, that's so oh, that's so nice. Yeah, Ash is just her knowledge base and how passionate she is about women and, you know, post and pre-pregnancy labour. Yeah. She's amazing. So we're very lucky. To yeah, have and her. she's got such a special energy as well. Yes, she so. is. And she literally, because as soon as she got in front of the camera, she was like, Usually, I mean, for Steph and I as well, we've got to take a lot of takes. Ash yeah. didn't need that. She just got in front of the camera and she oh was just gosh, like, here I am and here's like all this content and yeah, she's amazing. So it's very That exciting. is the best. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, such a special week for you. Yeah, it is. It is. It is such a special week and we have got a special DM. So Ooh. I asked the community to send in some finance DMs. That's of the theme of sexy because yeah. <laughs> I mean you're and Anna also I also want to say thank you so much to everyone who has sent in oh my goodness I haven't even introduced you properly yet oh, let's do well, it now let's do, do it I now. just <laughs> pretend to be Steph like I'm not as good as Steph at this podcast no so Vic is the founder of She's On The Money and you are an award-winning financial advisor how many awards have you got? I don't know. I don't want to count. I'm going to go with 100 because oh, if you okay. can't count it, you've definitely got 100. Oh, no, I don't have 100. <laughs> <laughs> That's dramatic. You're like 27. That's dramatic. Um, <laughs> no, I'm very proud of it, but it's also something I don't think I've ever added it up. Is that too egotistical to go and add them all up? I'm not going to do it still. You can. I mean, I'm not going can. to. I felt you should be so proud of it. And anyway, I'll text so you later. I'll be yeah, like, tell me how many. Tell me. So Vic is the host of the She's on the Money podcast, uh, which is just a fabulous podcast. I know a lot of our community members love your podcast and we have done one before together which is one of our most downloaded episodes is it actually? yeah which is awesome because it's oh so gosh, amazing that special. it's so special that so many women want to learn about how to be more empowered with their money which is just fabulous so I thought why not have you back on today thank you because there's so many questions we can ask about money and you are the expert and so oh, we're not here to just talk about how cute Harvey is yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay well I might leave <laughs> so today's D&M I will read it now. So, my fiancé and I share a bank account. We share money. We have a house together, but we really struggle to save money for monthly and quarterly bills and just savings in general. I'm a good saver and my partner not so much. When money is left over, he will spend it on silly things like coins 
on an Xbox games and game. And I'm not an Xbox user, so but I'm guessing that's like in the game. You can spend money in the game, I think. I'm not cool enough. Okay, I'm not cool enough either, but anyway, we'll go with that. All right, so he's buying coins on an online game. In the game, yes. And all adds up. We've spoken about it, but he doesn't listen much. We're always scraping the bottom of the barrel for money each fortnight when we get paid. We've sat down to work out budgets, but somehow we always have nothing left over. It's getting stressful and we want to be able to live a life where we can just enjoy the little things without having while still being able to pay bills. And can I just say, I reading this, I was like, we have to talk about this one because I feel like it is such a common thing and money can be, it, it's hard because when you don't have enough money, you know, and money's a stressful thing in your relationship, it can put so much pressure on you and it's just the worst feeling. It absolutely is. And I think that it's not uncommon to have exactly that stress. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of people listening to you read that out might go, oh, that's exactly my story. Mm -hmm. And I think the first thing is to remove all the guilt. Like money is hard. It is not something that we've ever been taught about logically like Mm -hmm. we went to school and I'm so good at trigonometry and I can do like all my times tables yes but nobody taught you about compound interest or like what a budget and cash flow Mm. system actually looked like so I think that taking away the guilt of saying you didn't actually get taught this there's no reason why you would be good at managing money as Mm. a couple anyway Mm -hmm. so then learning from scratch and the first thing is from my point of view one understanding what a budget is but not actually thinking that it is going to restrict you in any way. So a budget is just understanding what is coming in and going out of your bank account. Like if you understand the crux of that, then your job is to put in place a banking system that works for you. Mm. And what works really well for myself and my partner and most of my clients, if I'm really honest, is having what I call a cash hub system, which is where all of your money comes into one account and then Mm -hmm. you have separate accounts and you don't transact from that one cash hub. You don't have a debit card. So you don't have access to the bulk of your money. Mm -hmm. You only ever transfer out what you need because you've done your budget. And a budget isn't saying, oh my gosh, this month or this week, I want to spend $50 on groceries. It's actually going, what do I genuinely spend on groceries? Because if you start restricting yourself, you're not going to stick to it. Especially if food is that thing that nourishes your soul and like you love cooking and you actually spend $105 a week on groceries. That's totally okay. Mm. We're not saying that there's a right or wrong. It's more how much money is coming in? If I allocate $105 a week to my groceries, which is totally okay, do I still have money left over for Red Joe? Mm. Do I still have those big costs, you know, allocated for? Oh my goodness. You said registration. Is that You said Red Joe, like car Red Joe. Yeah. I was like, what is Red Joe? Is that like Red a new Joe. thing? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the coins. <laughs> I was like, okay, after this, much ser- must search. What is retro? Anyway, retro, Red, yes, continue. registration. Um, but those big costs that mm. do seem to creep up on you, we're actually saving for them in our cash hub because mm-hmm. we don't want to confuse our cash hub with our genuine savings because if we do that, we feel really disheartened. Like if I say, hey... Laura, you've got, you know, your rego dues like $900 or whatever it might be and you have to pull that out of your savings account, mm. that hurts. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we've got it in our cash hub and we've been allocated, you know, a certain amount per month that needs to stay in that cash hub for that expense that's coming up, mm-hmm. we can actually just go, okay, well, I'm all right for that. It's in my cash hub. We're not taking it out of savings. We're taking out of the amount mm. that we've put aside for bills. And I think that that can be really empowering. So it's actually about understanding a budget 
yes. not restricting ourselves because so many people go, all right, I'm going to sit down with my partner and we're going to do a budget. Yes. And then they do a budget but they're not going to stick to it because it doesn't actually complement their lifestyle or their goals or their habits. And it habits. feels super restrictive and yeah. it makes them unhappy and they argue, well, yeah, and you argue about it. Exactly. Yeah. And you need to take the emotion out of it mm. and go, okay, cool, let's just look at my bank account. And one of the first things you can do if that is an issue for you mm. is what I call a bank account audit. And that doesn't sound sexy at all and I'm really sorry <laughs> it doesn't, but it's printing out. I know yes. we should save trees, but printing things out. No, I find them with my account copy. and then you do highlight. Yes. 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 So then we get two highlighters and we yep. highlight, you know, maybe all in pink, our costs that we can't change. So yep. stuff like rent or bills or, you know, car registration. Food. Yeah, food. But maybe not like expensive restaurant dinners. Yeah. Yep. And then with another colour, we go highlight those discretionary costs, which mm-hmm. are expensive restaurant dinners or buying too many leggings or, you yep. know, activewear <laughs> that we yep. didn't really need and looking at what those costs are because that's where we can save money yep. because we can't really change our rent. I mean, mm-hmm. we could. If we're paying too much, obviously, we could go find a cheaper apartment or place to live. Mm. But that's a lot to ask. And when mm. it comes to budgeting, let's just really understand where our money is going and then ask ourselves, is that in line with what I value? If it is, oh my gosh, that's so great. Mm. But if it isn't, that's a really great time to go, all right, well, I am spending a lot on active value, right? I don't really need it. And what I value is being able to save up for a holiday. So I'm going to put that money towards something else. And at least it's a conscious decision yes. as opposed to, oh, I have to save. Okay, well, what are you saving? Yeah, and then you you know if you've got a goal and you're making sacrifices, like you're not buying that extra pair of tights or whatever it might be, you know you're not because you've got a holiday. It's not just because I'm on a really tight budget and I'm really stressed. Yeah, exactly. And I think it comes back to your banking system. And as Mm. I said, it's not that exciting. So while it doesn't sound very sexy or appealing at all, actually having a good banking system and not just one bank account is really going to empower you to make sure that you're capturing all that money Mm. because money is really convoluted, right? Like Mm -hmm. it can make us feel bad. It can make us feel good. It can, you know, make us feel lots of emotions. But I think when it comes into our account, what we really need to understand is that we need to just give it jobs. Mm. If you've got $100 coming into your account, let's give those $100 a job and treat them as such so that when they come in, we're not frittering away any money and it's not being lost because Mm. it's so easy. And I'm not the type of financial advisor that's going to come along and be like, all right, Laura, no more coffees. Like you could save $1,200 a year by not having your daily coffee. I've read that so many times that I'm like, but that coffee is so important to my day. Exactly. (laughs) And it nourishes us and it sets our day up properly Mm -hmm. and that's your values coming into play, right? Coffee. So coffee is a value? Coffee is my value. Amazing. Is that a value (laughs) set? Coffee and shoes. Yeah, amazing. Whatever it is. But whatever it is, I think we also need to understand that my values might not be your values and that's actually okay. And that's why I get really frustrated when people say, Victoria, what percentage should I be saving? Yeah. Oh, but... That's not fair. Yeah. That's not fair to say to you, well, hey, Laurie, you need to save 20% of your income mm. if you then earn only $40,000 yeah. because that's a really big chunk and yeah. it's actually unreasonable. You might not be able to buy food. Of and course. I just think we need to just treat ourselves with kindness and set up a structure so that we individually can be successful. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's that one main bank account that I call a cash hub with mm. all your money coming in. And then I have an everyday expenses card that I transfer money from just for my it. everyday expenses. 
Because then if I know that my food, my fuel and my fun, which is what I call it, the three Fs, <laughs> it's not – I'm so lame. I no, hope I other love people it. are no, loving this. I feel like we are ale- – like no one's coming on the kick pod and expecting anyone here to be cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> We're cool. the daggiest pod. Like I am actually a very daggy person. Um, so having that cash hub means that you're also having to think about spending extra money. Yes. If you only ever transfer your food, your fuel, your fun like if you're on your way to uni and you know you have to pay for parking and you know that you've allocated in your budget to buy lunch at uni and you know all of this other stuff is in your account for life mm-hmm. well, that's all you can spend yes without having to go back into your cash hub and like having that freedom is a little bit mm. like having a financial freedom right it makes you feel empowered and in control mm. but it means you do have to second guess purchases you maybe shouldn't be making because oh you're right I did see that cute top and I could wear it on Friday but it's $50 and instead of just tapping your card because the money's not there, yes. you'd have to then go into your cash hub, take money away from something That's what I the think. Yes, that is because tap and go is the... It's dangerous. It, it's so dangerous because you don't... And this is what we spoke about last time. You don't even realise that you're spending money. And so that's like, for example, in this situation um, with our community member, your partner with the Xbox things, it's so easy just to... Because I'm sure... It's online. Your card it doesn't is connected. feel like real money. Exactly. And so it's so easy to spend it. However, if that for example if you sat down with your partner and tell me if this is bad advice and they decided that (laughs) that having a partner awful (laughs) that one of his values was his xbox and that was something that he really valued and he wanted to spend some money on that's fine yeah absolutely as long as it's not on top of everything else and working through that i think when you get i know with dalton and i as well the time when we get because we share a joint bank account when we get disappointed in each other is when we're spending money on things that are not the values that we've kind of defined. Yeah. But having them defined helps so much. Yeah, and then absolutely. you can quickly get back on track. And obviously, of course, every now and then you will buy a top that you don't need. And absolutely. And that's, that's okay. okay. But at least you know and you can, you've can. you got your accounts and you had to transfer it out and you had to really think about it. So yeah. I love that advice. Yeah. I just want to put more barriers between you and your spending. Yes. Because I know if I said to you, Laura, all right, so your budget is $100 for groceries and you just went to the shops and yep. you did your grocery shopping. You'd be like, okay, no problems. Pop it in your cart. You've got your card. You know there's more than $100 on your account. So if yes. it goes over, like you're not really considering it. But I know if I you know, went to the ATM and got $100 out and gave it to you and said, this is all you've got. I'm going to take your bank card from you. You've only got cash. When you're going around the supermarket, you're going to be a little bit more conscious. You're going to 100%. think about that. So I feel that if you are really struggling, and I know that we're moving towards a cashless society mm, and all mm-hmm. of this, but maybe just take out cash and go, all right, well, I only wanted to spend $50 this week. I'm just going to take it out mm-hmm. and then that's all I'm going to give myself. Yes, and it is definitely so much harder to hand over cash than it is to tap. Yeah, because they're going to hand you back less yes. and you're like, oh, I don't want to split this yellow $50 exactly. note into an orange one. Oh, yeah. that's a downgrade. So exactly. you really do think about the spending behind it. And I think that's where we need to remember that mindset is everything, right? 100%. When you approach something with the right mindset, you're going to be successful. Uh, that is such such good advice and I think that ties in very well to another very common question that came in and I think it's something that so many people would go through and I definitely went through it when I was a student. When you're a student and your studies are taking up all your time and then you work part-time or you work casually 
and you earn different money every single week because I know when I was waitressing, like some weeks I'd get really good tips and then oh, yeah, sometimes I'd too. have more shifts. I used to love waitressing. It was good. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was so good. Fun. Especially if someone left a $20 tip, I'm like, yes, you've literally made my life. It would yeah. literally make your <laughs> night. You'd be like walking on air being yeah. like, I'm rich now. Yeah. 100%. That's like a whole hour worth of yeah, work. 100% or less. I feel like, I, I, I don't know what you, I can't remember what it was. I think it was less than $20 per hour. But anyway, so you get different money each week. Also, like for example, on school holiday or uni holidays, you might work a lot more how are we meant to be saving when that's kind of the you know the way that our money comes in how much pressure should we put and what came in and what I love that you touched on before is guilt I feel like a lot of a lot of the community that came through with questions that are working part-time still felt that pressure to be saving a percentage of their income when kind of as you said before it's not always possible it's ridiculous and should they someone asked like should they save five dollars a week is it worth doing that or do they wait till they work full-time no absolutely if you can only save five dollars a week save five dollars a yeah. week because again I've said it before it's about mindset yes it's about creating those habits and mm-hmm. whilst five dollars a week let's be honest might not buy you a whole heap. Yes. And it's not going to pay for a holiday. Mm. It means that once you do get that full-time job and, you know, you do be a bit more adult, Mm. you've already got that savings habit and you already put money away. And now you'll be even more empowered because you put more away instead of going, you know what, I'll do it when I grow up or I'll do it when I get a better Mm -hmm. job. And even once you become an adult, (laughs) I have been guilty of this. (laughs) I always say, I'll do it when I earn more money. Yes. Like, no, that's so naughty because – when we earn more money, and I've spoken about it on your podcast it's before, lifestyle it's lifestyle creep. creep. It? Yes, yeah. I remember now. <laughs> so I think it's about structuring yeah. yourself so you've got just got good habits yeah. right now, staying out of personal debt and, mm. you know, just working away. If you've got more to save, then save more. Mm-hmm. But you touched on just before something that I thought was really important interesting and really important especially for your community because I experienced it as well and I didn't take my own advice like I wasn't a financial advisor when I was 18 18, (laughs) 20 which is unfortunate but it's why I'm here now right and I would have a variable income over the Christmas holidays I used to make bank were you working retail I worked in retail and and hospitality hospitality at the same time yeah so I would work my retail job during the day and then I would go and waitress at night and so I felt rich yes I mean I wasn't but I definitely felt wealthy and I would treat myself as such yes so I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm earning so much more money now. I can go out for dinners. I can go out with my friends. I can buy that new top and I'd buy dresses. And my Christmas period would always be full of abundance, which mm. is great. But what happens when you go back to uni and you don't have the same yes. earning capacity? So I think it's about treating future us with kindness and going, you know what? It's a bit naughty to think that I can spend all of my money right now when later in the year I'm not going to have it. So that's yes. where we want to save money and put it aside so that we do feel financially confident year round instead of scraping to make ends meet later. So I love that advice. Putting it to the side and going, yes. you know what, it might not be a top right now, that sucks. But you know what, it might actually be a top for me in June when I am really stressed during uni exams and can't work mm-hmm. and I just need a little bit more freedom. Or it might be a really nice like hot chocolate date with a friend. Or Do you know what I mean? It might be something, something. that I otherwise couldn't have afforded that I do want to look after myself with. It's not always about putting money aside and saying, get rich, save heaps of money. Yes. It's just about how do I treat future me with as much kindness as I deserve? I love that. That's so good. Yeah. And I think as well, even with having financial security, something that I want to touch on a bit later is financial abuse in relationships, which is yep. obviously horrible. 
But having financial security is something that when you don't have it, it is the worst feeling in the whole world. And so I remember this and I was the same. I worked in a hospital during the day yeah, and then at night at waitressing. And when I was working a lot, I had all these savings. And then, yeah, you spend it because you're like, oh, wow, I've, you know, I can buy this because I made this much this week. But I think it's so important to think about it of as like, you know, when you go back to uni, you might have to take three weeks off for exams and you don't want to not be able to take that time off for exams because you spent a lot of money in January. So it's that, I love that being kind to your future self with your money. Because yeah, financial security is just something that when you have it, you take it for granted. And when you don't, it is so so hard. Yeah, Money sucks. It does. Money makes you feel so stressed. And ages ago, it wasn't me. I wish it was me. Someone came to me and they said, working really hard right now and then spending all the money right now is shooting yourself in the foot for later Mm. because you're essentially forcing yourself to then work really hard later as well. Yes. So why not set yourself up right now today when you can have a little bit of a buffer? We're not Mm. talking, you know, save every single dollar you earn. We just, let's be more conscious with our savings and our spendings Mm. so that you don't feel that stress later down the track. Like, that's such a gift. Exactly. I want that. And is that your number one tip for saving on a low income? I would. And it's just, I would absolutely agree with that. And I think it's just treating yourself with kindness. Mm. Because a low income, your income doesn't reflect at all who you are. And your financial situation does not determine, you know, what type of person you are. And I think Mm. so easily we look at the numbers in a bank account and we say... It defines our worth. It's so bad. Yeah, Money does not define your worth. Full stop, end of story. Mm. It's not who you are. It's just what you're currently experiencing and people aren't their experiences. Mm. So I think that we need to just be kind to ourselves. And if you do have a low income, great. What are you doing to make sure that you're comfortable and happy and kind mm. and there's so much more to you than how much money you've got coming mm. in? And I think that not enough people focus on that. I agree. And I think as well what you said before at the start about how if you are in a lower income and you are trying to sacrifice 20% of your income because you want to save but it means you don't have enough you know, food and you can't fill your car up and you can't buy, pay your car or then that is stress you're you're saving and you're giving yourself financial security I suppose but then it's actually not working that way because it's creating more stress exactly and I think we just need to make sure that we are giving ourselves the advice we give our friends Mm. and if you had a really low income I'd be oh my gosh this is how you can fix it be kind to yourself etc but then when I have the low income I'm so much harsher on myself. Mm. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm not saving 20%. You compare. It's, like, it's a comparison trap. Exactly. And I think Stop money it. is something and, and salaries that we compare. And comparison yeah. is the thief of joy. Mm. Like, it will ruin 100%. you. 100%. And it's always fake. Yes. You're exactly. always comparing yourself to somebody else's highlight reel, not reality. Mm. And I think it's so easy to hear that as well and go, yeah, I know. And then the next second you're on Instagram being like, why don't I have that outfit? Mm. And it's so easy mm-hmm. to just not see through the facade that people are putting up. So, mm. yeah. Just be kind and to yourself. 100%. And I think as well, Instagram is not actually a clear indication of, you know, people's financial situations. And I think it is having financial security in some way in your life, if it means that you can't buy, you know, the clothes that you want to buy or whatever it might be, that feeling is so much more important than trying to keep up with other people. Because I feel like money is such a funny one. I think you think that you need more and more and more, but I think you need an, it, you need enough money to be able to not be stressed about it and have financial security. But then past that, obviously it can give you some more freedom, but it's not going to bring you a lot more happiness. Because Do you know it's there's like, research that backs that Is up? it one, what, what was the, yeah, what is it? Tell yeah, us. I can't, I can't remember 
remember exactly what it is off the top of my head, but there is research to say that there is a salary cap. Yes. And I think it's like seventy thousand dollars. Yes, or I think something. it's one hundred and fifty between a couple. That's the yeah. cap. That, but that was yeah. a few years ago. I read it, but yeah. yeah. And so let's call it one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year between yeah. a couple, which is a lot of money. Yes. The more money they earn, they don't get happier. They actually get sadder. Yes. So being rich or wealthy isn't actually all that it seems. Mm. And I think that you touched on something before about not being able to see it. And I wish you could Mm. because that's the difference between rich and wealth, right? Mm. You can't see wealth. Wealth is in your bank account. It's in your your confidence. It's Mm -hmm. in your, you know, mindset and the way you approach things. And rich is having stuff. Mm. What you don't realise is that person on Instagram that you're following that, you know, has all the awesome stuff and, you know, looks really, really attractive and, you know, has the next bikini and the next, you know, outfit. Mm. You don't see that after pay debt. You don't know what they put that on. You don't see that they have a credit card. You don't see that maybe they owe their mum $150 for that outfit they bought last week and they still haven't paid their dad off for something else. Like you just don't see that Mm. because no one's going to promote that Mm. and no one gets into debt on purpose, but it's such a slippery slope once you start to rely on other forms of cash to acquire things you don't actually need. Mm. And I think there's something so, I don't know, it's kind of a beautiful energy when you meet someone who's, I don't need it. Mm. Wow, like that's it's so powerful and strong and I think being that person is inspirational Mm, I I agree and I also wanted to quickly touch on your and we spoke about it last time but can you give us a 30 second spiel on the way to use afterpay and the only way that you recommend to you or any type of is that bad if I just say don't no don't no the (laughs) I what I love actually maybe I heard it on your podcast and not on our podcast probably you've spoken about how spend the money that you have obviously because yes it says it's 15 dollars today but then it's 15 dollars every single month you know for the next four months but the only time you use it is if you're buying something in two sizes and so you don't want the money to come out of your account yeah and I've said that and then you return it straight away yeah exactly Exactly, but so many times I don't return things, so I don't know if yes. I trust myself. With okay, that. yes, 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 yes. But I have said that absolutely, and I think that that's where Afterpay leans into this instant gratification piece that we have in twenty twenty one. Right, like you go, oh, but it's fifteen dollars. That's fine. I can afford mm. that right now. But what that's saying is that you are betting that for the next three months you're going to have that $15 yeah. and that means you've got to save that $15 mm. to pay off that debt you've now created. And I think a lot of people forget that afterpay is debt. Mm, it's they like go, credit card. Yeah, it's all but the it's, same. Just, yeah. it's just a form of like, oh, I just owe them. Yes. Yeah, you owe them a debt. Yes. And I think that that's really easy to add up mm. and more often than not, your impulse purchase isn't something you even wanted in two weeks. Yeah, and I think that's important. If it's something like I don't, I don't think you can pay your car register registration on Afterpay, or if you know, if there's something like really, really important that is yeah. your value that you need to pay and you don't have the money, yeah, like a doctor's appointment, for example. Yeah, that's great. I think that's and a great we're never going to argue. Exactly right, but it's things that you need to think like in three months or whenever you're still paying this off. Am I still going to want to put the same amount of money into this because I would have had that instant gratification of getting a new top or whatever. That wears off and then it just becomes a top in your wardrobe. Exactly. And you're still paying it off. Exactly. And I think that back to what I was saying to you about that cash hub and mm. having that system set up. If you've got a good cash flow system and you've you know allocated exactly what you are spending and being honest with yourself, you're actually going to create a way for you to have that money to mm. spend. Yes. And then it actually makes it harder because you've got that $50. And I'm saying, all right, Laura, I'll part with it right now. And you're like, oh, no, but I want to put it on Afterpay because I don't want to part with it. Oh, so you don't want it that much. Yes. Why are you buying it? 
Yes. And I think well, it there helps you go. You that think is good. It. Yeah, it's like, okay, but if you're not going to give me the $50 that yes. I know you've got right now and you just want to put it on cash flow, that mm. doesn't make it any cheaper. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to get that $50 off you at some point mm-hmm. going, if you're not willing to do that, then maybe you don't actually need it. And you go, oh, that's not very fair, Victoria. Like, I just wanted to bury my head in the sand. (laughs) Yes, I I agree. But if it's your insurance or whatever and you have to pay it month to month, absolutely fine because that is essential. Exactly. But it's just thinking, yeah, do I? No, we're talking about discretionary spending here. Like, if you're experiencing. So, the highlighter, we've got our highlighter. It's not the fixed costs, it's the variable costs. It's the variable costs, the ones that we can actively control ourselves. Yes. Another question and topic that came up a lot, which I thought was really great, was relationships and money. I yes. think it is something that people never speak about, and there are. Oh, I, I do sometimes. Well, you do because sometimes, you have got but a, no one yeah, listens to. Yeah, me. no, but you, you know, you speak about it on your podcast, but within friendship groups, oh, I feel no. like it's something that people it's never. So it's, it's so taboo. Like, if you have a joint account, it up? You, well, you can't, and and I think because people don't really talk about it, no one knows the best practices and people just have all the, you know, everyone has questions and obviously it's different for every single couple, yeah. but I feel like there are things that we can maybe do or conversations we can have that can empower us a little bit better. So I actually, this, this is a special episode because I've got another question that I, another DNM that I thought was so fantastic. So I'm going to read that out yeah, and, I'm and get your advice on it. So my partner and I want to move in together after a year and a half of dating. We met a couple of months before COVID, so I've been staying there a lot anyway. Is there advice that you can give on moving in with a partner from a relationship perspective? What are some of the tricky financial things that we may not have considered? We've already discussed we'd research rent amount of a property and I'd pay half of it and half of the utilities, but are there other bits and bobs to consider? Yes. Yes. (laughs) So like, let's backtrack for a second. You've been with this person for a year and a half and you Mm -hmm. learn so much about a person when you move in together. Mm -hmm. But let's go relationship coach for a hot second. If you're moving in with them, I'm assuming you love this person Mm -hmm. and you want to spend your life with them. Mm -hmm. It's not just how much the rent is going to be. It's you need to deeply understand that person's approach to money Mm. and say, all right, you know, Laura, if you and I were going to move in together, mm-hmm. it'd be a circus. We'd have so many pets. It would be, so <laughs> it be the best. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming. But at the end of the day, you're you growing up. You've had a different experience mm. and approach to money. So talk to your partner about that. How did your parents treat money? Yes. How did the people that were looking after you as you grew up treated money? Mm. Was money scarce? Like, how do you feel about it deeply? Because if it was scarce, maybe mm. it makes you feel sick when things like bills come up and you don't want to talk about it and you're really avoidant around money whereas if you grew up in a wealthy household maybe you don't care about money Mm. and you just are really flippant about it but that that approach is going to really stress your partner out if they've come from scarcity because they're trying to save everything and yours then saying when you've moved in oh it doesn't matter let's just get uber eats for dinner again they're stressing out and it's unnecessary because if you were on the same page about how you feel about money and how i feel about money and what it actually means to us on Mm. a deeper level you're you're going to have better conversations and you're not going to fight about it So yes, you need to talk about relationships, but then you also need to talk about, well, how do we approach joint costs? Mm. Does that mean we have joint savings? And it absolutely does not mean that you have to do these things. Mm -hmm. And I'm very pragmatic about saying, you can, you can share money as a couple. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You can, if you want that. And I will teach you how to do that. 
But if you don't, that's also awesome and you mm. can have separate finances. Like I've got clients who have been married for 30 years and their finances are still completely separate. And that's okay. And that's okay. Because yeah. that's what they feel comfortable with and that's yeah. what they've decided. It's all about yeah. what you're comfortable with mm-hmm. and what you're going to do in your relationship because mm-hmm. it's actually yours. You get to control all of the factors. However, I share money with my partner mm. because we've got joint goals and we're working towards the same things and to me that's the best way for me personally to work doesn't mean it'll work for you. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to just be really aware of one, their financial situation, mm. not just who's going to pay for what, because yes. that's a very surface level conversation. Oh, I'll pay half the rent, no problems. Well, what happens if one month I lost my job? Who's mm. going to do that? Like, are you going to be mad at me if I can't pay rent? Oh, no, don't worry. We're in it together. I'll make sure that you're okay. I want to have those conversations. I don't just want to say, yeah, we'll split it 50-50. Because I think that's true surface level. This mm. is your partner, not a potential roommate. Yes, I. that is such great advice. And I know in my relationship with Dolt, I have come from, uh, like I, we kind of spoke about this, we always had food and everything, but money for me was very stressful. It caused a lot of issues in my parents' marriage, which is their divorce now. Yeah, um, well, And it is, it is something when I think about it, and, and I mean, I'm so, so, so lucky now that I have financial security, but for me, it was something that was traumatic when I think about exactly. it. Exactly. And I'm worried, is it going to run out? Like, what am I going to – and I feel like it is – people are so different. If they haven't been through that, their approach is so different and it's it's not their fault that they're, you know, No, more, and your money story is not exactly, your fault. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's what's – but I loved that you said that. I think that's so important to talk about it because you it might then cause issues that, you know, your partner might – I don't know what's an example – turn all the light – it's actually bad for the environment anyway, but have the lights on 24-7 yeah. and your electricity bill might be really high and that might make you really upset and scared because you're like, like, hang on, like we're spending too much money, we need to save. But exactly. he might be like, well, I've grown up in a house where the lights are always on and I've never had to think about it. Exactly. So I think that is such great advice. Yeah, and have that conversation because it's just going to deepen your relationship mm. as well. You're going to get a better understanding of the person you're about to move in with. Mm-hmm. And believe me, when you move in with someone, you do really learn their quirks. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> so another question that came up, which I think is something, this is the question that when I read it, I was like, oh my God, I have never spoken to anyone about this, but this is something that everyone would have to consider in most cases. What do you do if your salaries are different? Because it's probably quite unlikely that you're going to have an identical salary unless you have, you know, the same job and you went to the same time. Unless you like married your co-worker. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, except it if happens. they were male, then probably they would be paid more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They would you know, be paid more We're than working us. through that and we need that not to happen anymore. But <laughs> Maybe what you worked you in do? a really good business. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? I think it really goes back to values mm. and talking mm-hmm. about our money. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to split, like, let's just say you both earn $50,000 mm-hmm. a year. If you split rent 50-50, you both have then the same capacity to save and invest and create financial yes. freedom. But if your partner earns $100,000 and you're on 50 and you split rent 50-50, you have less of a percentage of income to play with or save or invest and they've got much more. So I really like to talk about percentages when it comes to splitting costs, Mm -hmm. not saying equal. Because Mm -hmm. if you literally earn double me, it would seem somewhat fair to then split costs in a different way. So I think splitting it in a percentage way instead of in a 50-50, everybody's equal way is a much fairer way to do it. And it's very easy to have that conversation because you need to take the money out. You need to take the emotion out of money conversations Mm. and stop saying, 
I. Start saying we because it's you and your partner against the world, not you and your partner against each other and the problem. And the second that you can go, no, we're a team. What are we going to do about this? Like I actually financially bring less to the table. It's not a bad thing. It just is what it is. Money Mm. is money. Let's just work out what that looks like so we can both create financial freedom as equally as possible yes. because it's okay that you earn less. It's not okay if you then financially struggle and your partner is able to save and invest and live this bougie lifestyle yes. that you aren't afforded either. So it's definitely a group chat. Mm. <laughs> it is definitely something to have a conversation about. But I genuinely believe, you know, I don't believe in savings percentages, mm. but I do believe in potentially if your partner earns more, maybe doing a 30-70 split. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, yeah, that is just fabulous advice. I think that will help so many people. I've actually never thought about it like that, but it makes so much more sense. And especially, I mean, if it's your roommate that you, is it like a roommate, like I'm not a random, but a friend, then that's when you split it because you're not a partnership. But with a partner, as you said before, if you're moving in together and you, you know, you want to possibly marry this person or if you don't believe in marriage, that's cool, but you want to stay with them, you know, for the rest of your lives and have a family or you don't. You just want to be together. You're a union. Yes. Whereas you're... Your housemate, your it's their not. financial situation isn't exactly. your business. Especially, I think with relationships as well, is that you have the same saving goals usually. So if you're saving yeah. for a house together, and one of your actually know someone who's in this situation, and, and they were on, you know, as similar to your example, just say they're on fifty and their partner was on a hundred, they're trying to save for a house and. There's so much, they're contributing equally to everything else. How is that meant to work? Because then it's going to end up with one person feeling like they're not adding enough value, like they're inadequate, they can't contribute enough. It's not cool at all. And that's not how you're meant to feel in a relationship. Exactly. And when it comes to housemates, like back to that, like Mm. if you're, you know, maybe rent is $200 a week. Like if you can't afford to move into that property, then don't. Mm. It's not actually up to your housemate to cover more because, well, well, you're in a better financial situation. They're not your partner. Mm. But when it is your partner, it's you and them creating this life together. And if it is a a point of contention, I would genuinely, and it sounds really dramatic, but ask yourself, you know, well, why am I moving in with someone who doesn't want to see me be successful? Mm. Because they should want the best for you as well. Mm -hmm. And if that conversation is really hard, just blame me. Be like, oh, this financial advisor that I heard (laughs) said I had to do this or bring this conversation up. Like, I'll be the scapegoat. Just bring it up that way. Mm -hmm. Don't Mm -hmm. say, oh, I've been meaning to talk to you. Just just blame me. It's fine. This financial advisor said this was the best way to do it. So uh, I just want to talk about it. Mm. 100%. No, that makes so much sense. And then I think it leads really well into what I wanted to touch on with financial abuse. And so financial, first of all, can you tell us what financial abuse is? Yeah. So financial abuse is when anybody makes you feel like you're not in control of your financial Mm -hmm. life and it doesn't have to just be your boyfriend or wife or husband Mm -hmm. or, you know, relationship partner. Mm -hmm. It could come from a family member. It could come from an employer. It could come from a friend. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of misconceptions about financial abuse come from because you think it'll just be your your romantic partner, Mm -hmm. right? When in reality, that's not the case. But anyone who controls your financial situation so that you feel like you're not in control, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, that's a financially abusive relationship. And it's really scary. And I think a lot of people don't actually realise that 
it's happening to them. It's a slow chipping away mm. of your confidence and your ability to control your life and it will make you feel as though, oh, no, sorry, like finance is not my thing. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not good at it because someone told me I wasn't yeah. or I, I don't have the ability. Like you do. You are so strong. You are so powerful. Mm. And if you aren't able to control your financial life, like you need to take back control of that. Mm. And I think as well, something that I always think about, and it's usually, this is quite gender stereotypical, but it's usually the um, the female in if in a yeah in, um, in a male and female is. relationship. It's usually the female who, or you know, whoever it is, the partner that stays home and if you have kids and looks after the kids. And what I find is actually really scary, and I wanted to talk to you about this, is if. Um, the just say it is in this situation a mum the mum stays home and she she's got a great career you both got great careers but you can't actually you've decided that one of you wants to be home with your kids Mm -hmm. you can't both continue in your career so the other person decides to the husband in this situation decides to you know he'll continue his career he'll be the breadwinner of the family and the the mum stays home and looks after the kids however the big risk there is if you stay home for 10 years with your kids to say you have three kids you know, and then your husband and you separate, he has grown his career. He's had 10 years of career growth, which obviously with, with a lot of people as they grow in their career, they'll earn more money, they'll, you know, just have be able to get a new job, have more experience. But then the, the mum who stayed at home hasn't got that experience. And so then she has to re-enter the workforce and she's, you know, been out, just say she was in marketing, she's been out of marketing for 10 years, the whole world's changed. She has to start from the start. And how, so I know that is, like that example, I always think of it and I just feel like often, especially as women, we're so vulnerable in those situations. What, do you have any advice on how to navigate that type of situation? Because while you want to trust your partner, of course, it's just, it's such a risk. Yeah. And I think a lot of people then say stuff like, okay, but like I'll split their super at some point if we get a divorce or whatever it is. But it's not actually about that. It's Mm. about earning capacity. Yes. And that's where I really. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. It's it's (laughs) what I really, I really promote women staying in the workforce if they can. It doesn't mean you have to work full time. You could work part time. Staying relevant in your career is so powerful and that's going to allow you to do that Mm. and something that really sucks in Australia and I think it should be tax deductible is daycare Mm. because working mums here in Australia pay I think it's between 75 and 105 dollars a day to have a child in childcare. Mm. and if you times that by maybe like three days a week for 52 weeks it's Mm. like something like 45,000 dollars a year I think if my maths is correct let's pretend it is for a hot second (laughs) but then if you earn 50 or even 60,000 dollars a year like that are you going to work to earn $15,000 a year every year? Some women see that as not It's worth not worth it. it. Yes. They see it as not worth it, but I actually see it as absolutely worth it because it's keeping you relevant and mm. keeping your ability to generate an income on your own up there so that when your kids do go to school and once everything is back to normal and you do decide to go back to the Mm. workforce then awesome you actually haven't missed a beat you've been in it the whole time and while you might be you know only contributing fifteen thousand dollars or you know twelve thousand dollars in a year which feels really hard to swallow because you're like it's almost not worth it yeah because you're sacrificing time with your kids exactly I feel like we need to also give you a little bit of permission there too. Like yes. Kids are being socialised. They are having a great time at daycare. Yeah. They are being 
they're seeing you go to work and you're setting mm. such a great expectation for being a working mum. If that's what you choose, like if you choose to stay home, that's fantastic too. Mm. Like it is all about personal choice. But if you make these decisions, like it's not actually a negative. Mm. And I think so many people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did X, Y, Z. You're damned if you do and you're damned mm. if you don't nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like as women, we only make bad decisions, I feel. Mm. And so which one are we going to make? Yes. Um, so once you are in that mindset, you actually are keeping your earnings capacity there and not to mention mental health like yes. being able to do you and yes. still have your own identity mm-hmm. and have your own ability to generate an income it's to me incredibly important mm. so I do believe in you know businesses keeping women in the workforce and you know even supporting them to come back in part-time roles yes. and it's not as common as we would like it to be but mm. I think we're making good progress not quick enough, but we're still making progress towards mm. being able to support that. Because I also see, <laughs> so this is, it's really interesting, right? And I've done a lot of research in this space. Working mums actually put more effort into their jobs mm. during the working hours where, you know, Laura, you and I don't have babies. So yes. we'll be like, you know what, we'll fluff around a little bit at work. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it's like 5.30 and everyone's leaving. And you're like, oh, I still haven't done that thing I yes. was meant to. So I'll stay late at work. And there's no real ramifications because my partner, he works late too. Whereas if you have a baby and you need to pick them up from daycare yes. at six o'clock, you're like, no, nah, I've got to get my stuff done, get it all done, you know, make sure everybody's happy. You're you're probably a bit of a people pleaser. It's mm. not a good thing, but you're probably a bit of a people pleaser because you don't want to look like you're leaving on time, yes. but you have to because you've got to go pick your kid up and you're actually a better employee mm. than I would be because mm-hmm. I'm just fluffing around during the you day. You have to and rush home. Exactly. I don't have to rush home and I don't have that motivation to go home and spend time with my babies. And once I do have kids, I'm sure that that will change. Mm. But right now I'll be like, yeah, that's cool. My dog actually comes to work with me. <laughs> so I'm not missing out on anything at home. Whereas I think you become, you know, better at time management when yeah. you do become a parent because you're forced into it. A hundred percent. But I, I love what you said about giving yourself permission that if you do, even if you have to pay for childcare and it's not going to be a large contribution to the family bank account, that's okay. It's And it's being okay and knowing that it's okay if you do want to stay part-time while you have young kids, that is okay because I don't think we give, especially women, enough permission to be able to do that. And there's always that mum guilt and that shame and it's like, hang on, no, I'm thinking forward. And even it's not even that you're thinking forward that you're going to separate with your partner. It's that when your kids, you know, go to school, if you do want to go back to work, you can. You don't have to go back to zero. And and work's something that gives you so much. I don't feel so empowered at work. Like, you know. I love work. Yeah, exactly right. So I think I don't want that taken off me. Exactly. I'll be that mum that has their kid at daycare. And that's okay. That's all right. Yeah. And it's okay if you don't want to, but also if you do know that you can ask for that and you can have that conversation with your partner. Yeah. And I think that it's, you know, I hope that one day, and I know maybe because I'm crazy. Um, (laughs) I love work. I love work. I love my team. I love the social aspect of it. You know, I love the opportunities it affords me. Mm. And I hope that that one day sets a really good example for my future kids to be like, no, you know, mum went and did all of that stuff because she's still a person. Mm. She still has likes and interests and passions. And I hope that that shines through. And that's probably coming from, you know, my parents both worked when Mm. I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mum's really cool. She worked. And I think that, you know, it set a really good example for mm. me and it's never a bad thing, whereas I think a lot of mums do feel a lot of guilt because they're not there and they might miss mm. some things and 
you know what, like you can't be absolutely every, everything to everybody no matter how hard we try, mm. but it's all about intention, right? 100%. And, and having that choice and also just if you're listening to this and thinking that You've, you want to be a stay-at-home mum and that's what you want to do, that is okay. Oh, one of that my is, girlfriends, that's what you exactly, exactly what and she's that's fine. lived it's her life to do. That you have a choice. You have a choice to be a stay-at-home mum and that's an amazing job. But if you want to stay at work, that is a choice. Yeah. And how yeah. cool is it that in 2021 we have that choice? Exactly. We weren't always afforded that mm. choice as women and mm-hmm. now we are. Mm-hmm. Now it's just more confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly right. And to finish off, I've got one question that we covered last time, but I wanted to bring it up for a quick answer because I thought it was very important and okay. I think you'll just say absolutely yes. Ooh, but what anyway, is it? When should we start thinking about our super? Yesterday. Yes. Yesterday. Uh, yes. And I just, I thought that was very important for anyone Yesterday. that might not have started thinking about it and didn't listen to the other rep, which I highly recommend because yeah. I think you're full of amazing golden nuggets I love of advice. Super. I love it because yes. it's just such a powerful tool. And if you've got a super fund, you're already an investor. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that is so empowering and knowing that you've got complete control over where that's invested and in what and how doesn't mean you have to jump up and down and, you know, be really active mm-hmm. in it. But we need to see that as epically. And I know that I don't love percentages, but at the end of the day, not a superannuation account is 9.5% of your salary. And so many of us don't save Mm. that amount, but you're already saving and then investing that amount. It's 9.5% set by the government. Exactly. We don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. It's going to increase to 10% in July, which is very cool. And, you know, we are then going to be saving and investing 10% Mm. of our income. We should really care about that. Mm, Agree. And your tips for super consolidating your I had four super funds yeah oh my gosh and you have fees in your super funds and so if you've only been working casually and you've had or actually don't you don't get super fear casually part-time or full-time whatever oh you do you you do now on absolutely everything so okay I think it's and please don't quote me on this I think you have to earn more than $450 a month to be paid super okay so even if you're getting like a very small percentage each Mm -hmm. month if you've got four super accounts because your four part-time jobs have different super you're probably ending up in the super that you've accumulated just gets taken out because you have to pay fees. So consolidate them. Absolutely. But you can do that on the government website, can't you? You can. And it's super, super simple. But before you do that, make sure that you're not cancelling any insurances you might need in the future. Okay. So just have a quick look. And one of the best resources is actually the call centres your super fund has. Mm -hmm. Call them, ask them a million questions. Mm -hmm. They are so well versed and they will teach you. And then you can rattle it off next time you go out for brunch with your girlfriends. As if you're an investment advisor. Amazing. (laughs) Love it. And when I I actually did it, not that recently, but when I did it, sometimes the MyGov website can be um, hard to – like you can't get in because your password doesn't work and then how do I work out my password and all those things. But once you get through that, it's not that hard. It is – for your super, it literally loads every – super that you have and so because I feel like sometimes you're like oh my god the job that I had when I was 18 at Subway no, it's like, all there it's where, all documented yeah exactly what what fund was that with I can't I can't even remember the, the name of my fund that I've decided to go with let alone let the alone one that the I was with yeah, exactly <laughs> right so I think know how easy it is to access that and consolidate it yeah yesterday yeah, so yesterday. Now. <laughs> yesterday. So like now, not to be dramatic, but yeah, yesterday. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Vic, for joining me. Thank As you for always, me. I learned so much from you and yeah, you're 
the way that you're empowering so many women and people around the world with their finances is thank incredible you. and you're making such an impact. That's very, very kind. And we appreciate it very much. <laughs> and thank you so much for everyone for listening. You can find Vic on Instagram at she's on the money. And AUS. At AUS. AUS, yes, sorry, AUS. I'll put it in the show notes. And at Victoria, is it underscore divine? It is underscore divine. Perfect. That's uh, mainly just cat and dog pictures. Yeah, which is, you know, honest. why not? Same as my cat, really. <laughs> sorry. People are like, oh, you should do like something more professional. And I'm like, no. no you've got LinkedIn for that. Yeah, I've got LinkedIn <laughs> if I wanted that. <laughs> and you can find uh, more about Keep It Cleaner at www.keepitcleaner.com.au. And you can find us at Keep It Cleaner. And the new Kick Bump content is in the app. You can find it in the Wellness Hub. Just make sure you have updated your app so you can see all of the new content. And we'll chat to you next week. Bye. Bye.